What is up, everybody? This is Tanner from TanManBaseballFan.com. It has been a long time since I have been with you uh, chatting it up in the uh, podcast sphere. I don't know what you call this, but uh, anyways, yeah, so <laughs> obviously a lot has changed since the uh, last time I've uh, uh, posted a podcast and uh just to kind of give you an idea of what's going on here, um, we are in kind of like a, uh, um, they, don't call, they don't call it quarantine, but like a stay in place or shelter in home kind of thing. We got this like creepy alert, like uh, citywide alert to our cell phone. Uh, you know, the phone's going off, beep, beep, beep. You know, this is a, a countywide notification you know stay stay home blah 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 so it sounded very like very end times apocalyptic weird kind of thing it's kind of strange i don't know if you can hear this or not but like in the background there's like a lot of traffic going so uh if i didn't know any better i wouldn't think there's anything different <laughs> you know it's really kind of strange um but obviously uh if you're online and you read or you've been on looking at the news, you know that's clearly not the case. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on. Um, so, uh, yeah, there's like people all over the place. Like some people are like, you know, oh, this is a hoax. Other people are like, oh man, the end of the world's coming. Yeah, and so, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm probably a little bit in the middle, <laughs> a little bit on both sides. Uh, and I, I truly think that it's. Uh, that there is something going on, uh, going around, and uh, you know, it'd be best if we all stay in place um, for now. I don't know about the economy or whatever, and, and we're going to swing this around to uh, baseball cards, of course. But uh, you know, because like a lot of people have been asking, like, what's this going to do to the hobby? Um, I tend to think that probably the first uh, cards that might feel any kind of impact would be the new stuff. Um, I think the vintage is probably generally safe. Um, you know, I think trout might be safe. Um, I just don't know though. Like, I don't know. Like, because I see both sides of the coin. Like, so number one, you hear this like crazy, horrible, like economic, uh, gloom and doom, uh, collapse kind of thing that people are saying on one side. And then, uh, but on the other side, you have a whole lot of people that are at home with nothing else better to do than, you know, maybe look at eBay. <laughs> and so, uh, if there's one thing I know about Americans is that we're really good at uh, accruing debt. <laughs> so maybe uh, maybe this will be a little bit of a spike, at least for now, in the cardboard. Um, you know, certainly a delay in the, in the baseball season is not helping. Um, I really, really, really want the season to get going, you know. Guys, I just, I miss baseball. I just miss it, you know. And um, the one thing that I've been kicking around that's kind of interesting to me, though, is in spite of how much I love baseball, I don't watch a whole lot of games. I don't even really listen to a whole lot of games during the during the year. I'm not like one of those guys that just like, you know, uh, it tunes the radio in every single night to catch the ball game. I don't really do that. Um, Generally speaking, uh, if I'm being completely honest with you, I'm on MLB.com maybe once a day, like checking scores and uh, 
uh, standings and stats. I love stats. Single player stats um, across the board. Maybe one, two times a day. Um, that's kind of the majority of what I do until the postseason uh, comes around or, you know, September and, you know, postseason is about to start. Um, but still, there's like something like exciting knowing that like there's baseball that's playing that's going on it's like all is right in the world you know like no matter what's going on you you know that the Yankees are going to be playing you know that the Astros are going to be playing you know that the A's are going to be playing like you know that there's like a potential for like some really exciting things to happen um you know what if like what if Acuna can go 40-40 this year what if he can go 50-50 this year uh you know, can uh, can Alonzo do uh, 70 home runs this year? Uh, you know, what about Judge? Uh, how How is everybody going to react to the Astros? Are they going to get beamed like crazy? Uh, what about when they retaliate? Like, there's just so many things. Like, will the Astros rise to the occasion and get first place? Or will they, uh, you know, do worse than the Angels and Mariners? I just don't know. Um, and there's so much stuff to, uh, to really kind of take in. And, like, you look at the last time we didn't have a full season, and it was uh, 1994, uh, you know, during the little lockout deal. And guys, there was like some phenomenal uh, baseball being played that year. Like, the stats, like, I think Tony Gwynn was on his way to potentially hitting 400, if I remember correctly. Uh, that's kind of the main stat that sticks out to me. Um, I don't remember a whole lot of anything else. I think it was, I think the Expos were on their way to doing something special too, if I remember correctly. Uh, so, you know, I mean, it, it, but that's part of baseball. It happens. Like I was talking to Holly, I was on a walk with her uh, and Beckett uh, earlier tonight. And, you know, because sometimes I like to drone on and on about baseball with her and sometimes she'll just, you know, tune me out, which is fine. <laughs> I just need to get this stuff out. I probably should have pulled up my phone and recorded myself talking then. Uh, <laughs> but you know, that's part of baseball. Like there's no set guaranteed 162 games of healthy play for every player. That just is not how baseball goes. And, uh, you know, one is sometimes it's tragic. Okay. Sometimes it works in favor of others and sometimes it's just a pure tragedy for others. Uh, I'll give you an example. So Ted Williams, if I remember correctly, and I, I really probably should be doing more research before I talk because <laughs> uh, I'm going through memory here. But um, Ted Williams, I think he hit like 521 home runs and that number might be off. I, again, I'm going from memory. I don't, I don't recall, but that number sticks out for some reason. Uh, you know, over 3,000 hits, no doubt. Uh, you know, one of the best, if not the best, uh, pure hitters of the game. And and the guy was like a twig, by the way. So you think somebody hits 500 home runs or more, like you don't think Ted Williams. You think like a Barry Bonds or a Babe Ruth or, you know, somebody that's like, uh, you know, got some muscle on him. Ted Williams is like very thin, but uh, he had a sweet swing. And uh, guess what, though? In spite of all that, uh, there were three of his years, of his prime playing years, uh, he was actually fighting World War II or something like that, So, if I remember correctly. So uh, imagine the stats. What if he had like three, you know, like back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back, uh, monster home run years or whatever? I mean, could he have been the, the new home run king? I don't know. Um, but that is like literally how baseball goes. 
uh, sometimes it can be a heartbreaker. Um, you know, you're, you're waiting, waiting, waiting for magic to happen, for, uh, you know, a certain player to achieve something, or a team that hasn't won the World Series in, in forever, or ever, uh, rise to the occasion and do it. And, and, you know, guess what? A lot of times, it just doesn't happen. And, you know, that's baseball. Because, guess what? It's life. That's just what happens sometimes. They're not fixed wrestling matches or anything like that at all. You know, this is real. So, uh, you know, and, and, you know, that's part of what makes baseball special also is, uh, is that whenever something magical does happen, it's like it's pure and it's wonderful. Um, you know, save for all of the, you know, steroid garbage and cheating and, you know, all that stuff. I mean, you know, obviously you're going to have that stuff too. Um, but anyway, so those are, those are my thoughts. Um, I am, you know, maybe you're on board with me on this, maybe you're not, but either way, I think all this can, I think I can speak for all this when I say, come on, baseball come soon safely. Of course, we don't want anybody to, uh, get sick or harm anybody through this, but, uh, <laughs> I just wanted this to be over for a number of reasons, obviously. Um, and, uh, baseball is such like a, you know, quote unquote frivolous, uh, kind of thing. Um, but, uh, it can be kind of healing for our nation, um, if that makes sense. I mean, you think of uh, back in 9-11, uh, you know, what, what do you remember about 9-11, about post-9-11 baseball? Uh, I'll tell you what I remember. I remember Mike Piazza uh, on the Mets hitting a home run. And I feel like, uh, yeah, I'm getting goosebumps talking about it, guys. Like, uh, I remember that home run and just like our entire nation. Um, almost like got out of our seats and just applauded. And because uh, it's like, I don't know, it was a magical time. And baseball seems to have that effect on uh, on us as a nation. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not because it's just some sport. You know, it's, it's been uh, part of our nation for, uh, since, you know, like the mid-1800s, like well over 150 years. And, uh, you know, it's... Uh, still going strong and it still will go strong um but that said baseball please come back <laughs> please come back soon um so uh to turn a corner i did want to talk a little bit about uh some other things that i was uh um thinking about and some of my collecting experiences over the past oh, couple weeks or something um now, forgive me if I'm overlapping on some things I talked about earlier. I don't know what I told you last because <laughs> so many things have happened. But uh, with as much as I love watching baseball, we've got a projection screen and you know, it makes the play. It's not like the most expensive setup or whatever, but it's big. you know. So when you have a game on, it's like the players are like life size, <laughs> which is awesome. I love it. Uh, and with as much as I love watching a baseball game, um, I find it interesting how madly in love I am with a time period of baseball where video didn't even exist. And talking about 19th century baseball, there's like, uh, there's like virtually no video that exists of baseball in the 19th century. And I kind of think like there's a mystique that goes along with that, right? Like, 
you don't know who these like mythical uh, superheroes were back then. Sadly, the majority of people in baseball fandom just don't know the names of these people either. So <laughs> I've almost been thinking like, is it my job to kind of like help educate people who these guys are? Like there are some amazing, wonderful, like incredible people uh, that were playing back then <laughs> with all kinds of amazing stories. And so with the mystique though, is almost kind of a feel of tragedy. Uh, a tragedy that we were never able to see how fast Billy Hamilton truly was. And I'm not talking about the new Billy Hamilton. I'm talking about the speed demon Billy Hamilton from the 19th century. Um, you know, we've never been able to see uh, a Roger Connor home run. Uh, or, uh, you know, obviously we have very limited footage even of like some early 20th century guys like Ty Cobb. Uh, I mean, what a, what a wonderful blessing it is for... Uh, Charles Collin to have uh, accidentally snapped that picture of Cobb sliding into third. I mean, man, what an amazing picture. Nobody will really think anything of that now because, like, you have pictures of everything. And uh, if you don't, you can always, like, take the video that no doubt is uh, zeroed in on every single player on the field at any given time and just uh, take, a, take a frame from that, <laughs> most likely. But uh, uh, not to mention the tens of thousands of fans that have, like, high-def cameras in their pockets that are doing things all the time also. Um, but, like, you know, like, we weren't able to see uh, Roger Connor, who was uh, the original home run king. His, his home run record stood for a quarter of a century before Babe Ruth broke it. And yet nobody really knows who this guy is. Um, you know, same thing with, uh, uh, you know, gosh, I mean, what else can I say? Like, Candy Cummins, I think he was, like, the inventor of the curveball. Uh, the Ross Barnes, the guy who hit the first home run in baseball uh, history. Like the only thing we have of this stuff is like words, you know? And uh, that's why I think I'm so uh, like madly in love with like these baseball cards of this time period, because like, it's not just another card, you know, like you could have an N28 Allen and Ginter, uh, um, Montgomery Ward, uh, John Monty Ward card. He was a, you know, he was a, certainly a fantastic player, Hall of Famer. Um, and so, like, it's a beautiful card. And back then, certainly they didn't have, uh, you know, 60 different issues or 100 different issues of him uh, being churned out every single year. Like, there was just like a handful of photos, period, of this guy. And he was a superstar. Um, you know, like... Uh, think about Mike King Kelly. Uh, the, his nickname was $10,000 Kelly, the $10,000 beauty. Uh, he had a you know, thick Irish accent apparently and uh, uh, was larger than life. He was like the biggest, uh, most popular uh, baseball player of the 19th century. Good looking guy. Um, liked, his, uh, liked his whiskey. He died at the age of 36. He was a, a superstar. The reason why they called him the $10,000 beauty is because, uh, you know, he was the first player, I believe, to uh, earn that, which was, like, unheard of back then. Um, and, uh, you know, I've talked about him before a little bit. Uh, he was the subject of America's first recorded pop hit, Slide Kelly Slide, um, which was, like, you know, really kind of, really kind of a neat thing, uh, you know, to me when we think about it. Um, 
trying to think there's a few other things I want to talk about this guy uh, for. Uh, that's right. Okay, so I had to uh, jog my memory. But uh, another thing about King Kelly, he is known uh, as uh, the first person to uh, really kind of popularize uh, or that people uh, were actually chasing to get his autograph. Like not just the baseball players, but of like anybody, which is crazy. I mean, these are like trailblazers. Nobody really, like a lot of people know King Kelly. A lot of people know Cap Anson. Um, you know, Cap Anson also, by the way, you know, obviously all these guys had like rocking mustaches, right? Well, <laughs> uh, Cap Anson, he was the uh, first member of the 3000 Hit Club. And, uh, you know, also uh, uh, baseball, professional baseball's first superstar. So if King Kelly was like the most popular, um, Cap Anson was probably the best um, as far as the players go. Um, and, you know, of course, you have people that say uh, 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 otherwise, but, you know, he, he's generally considered to be the first uh, professional baseball superstar. And, you know, it's kind of a shame that these guys, they don't, they don't, they're not given um, as much recognition uh, as they should be. Uh, Dan Bruthers, or Dan Brothers, I'm not sure even how to pronounce his last name. Uh, it's uh, baseball's first slugger. You know, and uh, he has all kinds of fun stories. Like, uh, I wouldn't call this fun necessarily, but there's a story of him. He's a big guy, so he's like six foot two, if I remember correctly. And keep in mind, this is in the 1800s, guys. So, like, the average height of a man was like five, six, or five, seven. <laughs> so, six, two, that means he's my height. So, he's probably, uh, you know, just as tall as me. And uh, so, he was towering over a lot of these other guys. Um, in a game, that wasn't a professional baseball game. It was another baseball game. He uh, had a collision at home, and uh, you know he knocked out the catcher, and the catcher later died. You know, and and uh, there's just all kinds of these stories out there that like nobody really knows about, which is really too bad because uh, baseball, like the deeper you go into it, the richer the history. Um, you know, you have going back to even King Kelly is so fun. Like he was, uh, he's the guy that. Uh, he's been said to have uh, uh, invented the hook slide um, or for uh, backing up first base, I guess, as a catcher um, and all these other little things. He was known for uh, bending the rules. Uh, <laughs> one of the other things that he was uh, known for was uh, uh, one time, and they, they had to change the rules because of this guy <laughs> a lot of times. Like, there's a, there's a story of him like being asleep uh, in the dugout and uh, somebody uh, from the other team popped a, a, a foul ball fly, a foul fly ball over his way. He wakes up, he jumps up and says, now fielding uh, King Kelly and then catches the ball <laughs> and it was an out. Uh, so all kinds of fun stories. And there are books written about these guys. I think if I remember correctly, I think King Kelly was the first uh, guy to write like an autobiography um, about himself as a baseball player, I think. And I believe Bill James was the one that said if uh, uh, it wouldn't even be enough to write, uh, to, to write about all of his exploits, like three books wouldn't even be enough to, uh, to cover everything about King Kelly. And granted, I know very little about all these guys, but man, I'm hungry. Like, I'm hungry to know more about this stuff. I just 
so fascinated about this. So, um, to bring this all the way back to, uh, collecting, I guess, um, I don't know. It's like, uh, there's definitely a different feel for collecting, um, pre-war cards compared to newer cards. Like the newer cards, they look beautiful. They've got us, they've definitely got a sense of specialness like works of art, but when it comes to pre-war stuff, like especially 19th century cards, um, it feels like, you know, like it is art, you know, and it's history, you know, and, and uh, there's something special about them. They're beautiful, not because of the foils or, you know, game used pieces or anything like that or serial numbers, but just because of what they are and the time period, how they are distributed, I mean, guys, I could go for hours about this stuff, and uh, I love every last bit of it. I just, I just enjoy it so much. And uh, so, <laughs> so kind of to go back to what I was talking about, like I think one of the last podcasts I did, I, as you know, like I intentionally took out some cards in my pre-war collection or my vintage collection that didn't really uh, excite me much. So, and I sold them and then on a whim, like when I was done, I found somebody and they ended up buying out, uh, basically everything else that I had with the exception of five cards. I had the PSA 10, 2011 tops, uh, uh, Mike Trout diamond, um, which I'm probably going to move, uh, probably going to sell that pretty soon or trade it. Um, then I had the 1886, 1887 old judge. Billy Sunday, the W514 Julius Joe Jackson, the 1915 Cracker Jack Ty Cobb. Uh, it's authentic. It's altered. It's got a little trim on it, but it's a stunning car. It's just beautiful. Uh, and the E90-2 Candy Wagner, the Honest Wagner. It looks like a T206, but it's got a beautiful blue color. Um, so I kept those, and I was so happy to have those, uh, to have kept those. But I remember why I gave up. Like I sold my 52 Topps Mantle, my 48 Leaf, Jackie Robinson, the 51 Bowman, uh, Willie Mays, 54 Topps, Hank Aaron, the 33 uh, Gowdy Rue, 34 Gowdy uh, Gehrig, uh, my Allen and Ginter set, um, you know, all these amazing cards. And uh, I'm gonna be like, I'm just gonna be as transparent and honest and open with you about this as possible. Um, I felt a little bit of seller's remorse. Uh, I did fine, um, and I did fine because I bought right to begin with. Um, I probably made a mistake selling altogether. Like I would have made more money if I sold it off one at a time. Um, but overall, I ended up uh, doing pretty decently on the on the whole deal uh, with all the vintages I sold this last year. But uh, the one thing that was amazing to me <laughs> and is to keep in mind that collecting is not hoarding. It's a journey and there are different parts of the journey. It's not just about having, it's about hunting. And you know, in, in the baseball card collecting arena, it's also about trading and selling. I mean, it's just part of it. And uh, so uh, within that first week, I said, man, I went back to the guys like, Hey, let me ask you, what do you want for, uh, um, 
that uh, Goodwin, uh, 1888 Goodwin King Kelly card. Uh, he's like, what? <laughs> you just sold it to me. <laughs> Why do you want it back? <laughs> I said, well, yeah. And what about uh, my old Alan Ginner set also? He's like, what are you talking about? What are you doing? And so I ended up buying back uh, the uh, King Kelly Goodwin, the Jack Glasscock uh, Goodwin card because that's like the most beautiful uh, 19th century card ever in my opinion and the Allen Ginner set which is just history and just absolute history and uh, <laughs> he like many of the guys I went back to get my Consego cards from and all that probably uh, rolled their eyes and you know so this guy's a knucklehead or he's an idiot or whatever and <laughs> doesn't know what he wants keeps changing his mind and yeah guess what that's me I uh, I change my mind all the time so long story short uh, I ended up getting back my 1888 Goodwin uh, King Kelly, the 1888 Goodwin Jack Glasscock, and the entire 1887-88 uh, uh, Allen and Ginter set uh, of 10 baseball cards. And guys, let me tell you something. Like, <laughs> it's kind of funny. Um, I was more, you know, I'm trying to, the second time around, I'm, what I'm trying to do is I'm really trying to, uh, uh, feel more of my feelings through this whole thing, if that makes sense. I don't know if that makes sense, but um, I'm trying to like just take it in. How I feel about having sold, how I feel about uh, any remorse I may have, how I feel about the hunt, how I feel about getting them back. And let me tell you guys something, like it's better the second time. It's the same thing with my Conseco cards. I got the Allen & Ginner set back and the Goodwin cards back. I was more excited about the anticipation of them coming back in than I ever was before, even the first time I got them. And uh, um, I just came to that realization, not even on these, uh, and to make things nuttier, I'm, I bought duplicates of some of these other cards, by the way, because I'm doing an upgrade and downgrade in some cases. Uh, so I'll be selling some down the road. Um, <coughs> but, uh, and that's an allergy cough, by the way, not a coronavirus cough. Uh, that I know of anyway. Um, but the one thing that I really kind of felt through like the past day or two, and probably three days total, as these cards are uh, coming in, because I've got some other cards coming hopefully tomorrow, knock on wood, um, is the feeling of uh, something that I had not felt in quite a while having all those amazing cards, the 52 Tops Mantle, uh, the Maze Rookie, the Aaron Rookie, the Ruth, the Garrick, the DiMaggio Rookie, you know, all those. Like, they were here, you know, they were great cards, but guess what? I didn't have the feeling, the high, if you will, of what I've been feeling these past three days, which is the anticipation of them coming in, the, the heightened emotions of listening for the mailman to come uh, to the door to deliver these, frankly, pieces of history, you know? And uh, <laughs> and so it really kind of cemented in my mind a lot of what I've been saying anyways for the past couple of years is that it really is about the thrill of the hunt for me. Like, this is so exciting. And I'll tell you what I have coming in. Um, I actually posted a couple wanted ads on some 19th century cards. And so let me kind of tell you how this, how this came about. So uh, 
I don't know why. <laughs> I'm very, uh, I'm very fickle uh, when it comes to uh, collecting. It seems like, like if I just think about something, I just can't get my mind off of it. So I'm laying in bed the other night, and I'm thinking, okay, uh, my initial plan is to, you know, get back a '33 Gaudi Ruth, maybe one that doesn't have wrinkles like my last one did. Get a 34 Gehrig back, 38 DiMaggio, 48 Leaf, or 49 Leaf, excuse me, uh, Jackie Robinson. Those main ones, uh, you know, and, and get like one card of each player that I just really like. And that was the plan. And I started thinking, I was like, huh, but man, how cool would it be to get like an old judge portrait of King Kelly or Cap Anson or something? Okay, well... I'm going to toss up a one ad. What's the worst thing that can happen, right? You could have an offer of a card and nobody says anything. Um, and you say no. Well, I tossed up there and I got a few bites, interestingly enough. And uh, one of them said, uh, you know, yeah, hey, Tanner, I've got, a, I've got these uh, a couple cards here. Some you asked about, some you didn't. Um, here's what I have. He's like, I've got a King Kelly. Uh, and I'm like, okay, I've seen some of these before and they're always like super crummy picture quality, like just awful. Um, I've also got some good one cards and he posts like a, a Cap Anson and a King Kelly. It's like, well, I've already got the King Kelly. I was very dismissive of it. And so I open it up and he goes, and the pictures, and I go, oh my gosh, this King Kelly old judge portrait, it's beautiful. The, the picture clarity, of the old judge is amazing and i go huh yeah and so i i uh, talked to a buddy of mine jay who's really big into vintage stuff and um he he you know so to speak uh, gave me his blessing on uh, on it being a, a decent deal and so i go man i'm going to go on this one and i go holy cow i'm getting a really nice old judge uh, king kelly port and so uh I was like, well, let me take a look at these others. So I take a look at the Cap Anson, and uh, the my favorite uh, card of the 1888 Goodwin set is probably, I don't know, it's very difficult to say. Like I started saying that I like the King Kelly because of the uh, uh, the clouds and and the color and everything uh, in the background. I didn't really like um, uh, the Cap Anson picture itself because it reminded me of uh oh man what's his uh oh he did a self-portrait um i think a rembrandt oh man this is gonna drive me nuts i don't know if it's rembrandt or not it's he's got a red beard y'all help me out i don't remember but anyways it reminded me of that and just uh you know in all the copies of the 1888 good one uh cap pants i've seen have like had horrible color registration and when I say registration, let me kind of tell you what that is. So when they did different colors, um, I've got to talk about the, the production of these 19th century cards at some point down the road too. Fascinating, fascinating stuff. But anyway, so when it comes to color registration, um, you have like the four colors that are stamped down. And so if they're not perfectly lined up, then you're going to get like ghosted outlines of certain different colors. And sometimes they'll just look a little messy. And so with the Cap Anson, that seems to be the case um, a lot of times. So I looked at the card, it was very low grade, it's like one with a mark. One as a PSA 1 MK. And so I'm like, well, I don't know if I'm 
mess with that. If I look at it, it's off center, you know, left to right. Uh, but the image quality is beautiful. The registration looks darn near perfect. It's like the best Cap Anson picture I've ever seen on a good one. And uh, centering when it comes to these cars, I can deal with, like especially when it comes to this. Um, and so I looked at it, I was like, okay, I think I might want to do this. So I was like, yeah, let's get the King Kelly old judge. Let's get the uh, Cap Hansen Goodwin. And then I take a look at the at the King Kelly Goodwin. That I, you know, it's a double. <laughs> I already have one that I, that I picked up my old one already. I was like, well, what's the best you could do on this? And so I went back and forth. I uh, I turned it down. And I came back. And I go, huh? The colors are actually nicer on this one uh, that he has uh, than the one that I actually have. And so I said, you know what, forget that. Let's let's throw this in the list. I'm going to go ahead and uh, sell this one out. Uh, sell the one that I got. Uh, get rid of it, trade it, whatever. Uh, because also, the one that I have is an SGC holder. And uh, this guy's Cat Anson and King Kelly Goodwins are both PSA. And so it's funny how this kind of unravels, guys. Like, I asked, uh, I was thinking, well, you know, it'd be kind of neat. What would be really neat to sit next to my Allen & Ginner set is a Goodwin set. And I, and I knew that there were only eight cards in it. And I'm like, well, shoot, I've got uh, I've got uh, King Kelly and Cap Anson incoming. I've got the Glasscock. Now the Glasscock is a is a uh, an SGC card. Um, so I asked him. I said, hey, do you have a a Glasscock in PSA? He goes, yeah, I do. Huh? Okay. What others do you have? He goes, well, I've got the Dan Brewers. I got the Timothy Keith. Those are the two Hall of Famers, by the way. The two other big ones. Um, and I think there's Carruthers and I don't remember who else, but um, anyways, ultimately, including the Glasscock, the Anson, the, and the King Kelly, he had seven of the eight. I go, huh, and they're all in PSA form, and uh, we ended up doing a deal for all of them. And that would have never happened, like, had I not put out that wanted ad. So just like that, um, you know, I'm getting all super excited about, like, this uh, run of Goodwin cards um, they're just beautiful. I mean, they might be the most beautiful cards in the 19th century. Um, Alan Ginner's up there too. I just, I'm not really sure off to see them side by side as a set. Uh, but you know, the funny thing is, by the way, being talked back about the, uh, Alan Ginner set is when they were here for the most part, they were like kind of, you know, in a pile. Now I have them displayed and ever since I displayed them guys, like it seems like a night and day difference. Like I love them so much more displayed now than I ever did when I had them initially. So it's so funny. They took like a little road trip a couple thousand miles away and then came back home to daddy. <laughs> and uh, they're just an amazing set. So I am looking very much so forward to uh, setting up the good ones next to them. Um, maybe getting like a, an old uh, cigarette tin uh, to display with them as well. And, uh, very much so looking forward to that uh, King Kelly old judge port also but um, so yeah that's kind of like what I've been doing so when I'm thinking about these things that's what I noticed what I realized that with is like kind of bummed if I uh, you know about feeling like mo missing uh, uh, moving those other cards that were so fantastic like the feeling I have right now of making the deal of getting them, of working on putting together the set, this feeling right here far, far, far surpasses 
having those amazing cards and the ability to look to see what's out there also. Um, and I, it, it doesn't make sense otherwise. Like, I wouldn't have thought like, okay, I'm going to move all these other, you know, roots and mantles and stuff and, uh, you know, get like a good one set. Um, you know, that's not really what I was, I don't think I would have ever gone for that. But like the feeling, the feeling of uh, this high, this, this enjoyment, um, all of this is really kind of what it's all about for me. And so, um, which by the way, that's not the biggest thing, guys. Like there's one more thing. Uh, of that's noteworthy for me to tell you about. Yeah, I also got one other card that I don't really, you know, I'm just going to jump to the main event here. So, uh, what I did was I remember uh, it was a Saturday night, I believe, and there's a buddy of mine that's uh, on Facebook. Uh, his name is Robert, and he's a big vintage guy. And he goes, Hey, Tanner, um, I wanted to give you a heads up. There's a guy on the forums that's selling a couple cards you might like or a card you like go early okay so i take a look and the title is very nondescript i click on it there's no pictures I'm like what's going on here and uh there it is it says for sale 1915 cracker jack ty cobb i already have one uh but underneath it 1915 cracker jack shoeless joe jackson I lost my mind, especially with the price. And uh, I reached out to the guy, he had his number. I texted him and so, so like anxious <laughs> to get the picture, to ask him about it. And you know, you have all these, all these like feelings and emotions are rushing for you because this is like, this is a, a legit hardcore grail card right now, right? Uh, I post on Twitter a poll. What would you rather have? A 1915 Cracker Jack Shoeless Joe Jackson or a 1952 Tops Mickey Mantle? Well, the Mantle beat out the Shoeless Joe two to one. Like it was like a 33-67 split, um, which is okay. You know, um, for me personally, uh, that Shoeless Joe Jackson's everything, guys. <laughs> like it beats the Mantle like heads and tails for me. Like it's. It's just a, it's a cooler card uh, for me. I get it that 52 Tops Mail has that mystique about it. It's the uh, second most popular card um, in our uh, in our hobby. I get it completely. Certainly not the second most expensive, but uh, you know, second most uh, popular. But for me, the Shoeless Joe Jackson, oh, Cracker Jack, super iconic, like way rarer, um, and just there's everything about it is just screams amazing to me and, and so like I I know I've been talking about it for a while uh, semi-seriously uh, I never really thought I'd be able to you know come to a position where I could like find one that was like worth uh, reaching out about but uh, either way I reached out to the guy and uh, said yeah hey I would like to uh, see if we can do something I uh, made him offer we're going back and forth but he's not responding and so I look, I go, huh, I wonder if I say something about like, what if I get the cob also? And by the way, it's like a huge financial commitment to uh, agree to both of these cards, right? But I knew I could do something good with it also. So, uh, and I just sold my other collection, so why not? So uh, I made an offer and we did a deal. 
And yesterday, I had the 1915 Cracker Jack Ty Cobb and Sheila's Joe Jackson come to my house. And it was without a doubt the biggest, 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 biggest male day that I've ever had in my whole life. Um, I've probably got more excited about other cards, especially Consego cards. <laughs> there are some that have been given to me where I just squealed like a little girl. Uh, but uh, the, uh, the Shoeless Joe Jackson is, is history. It's, it's baseball history. It's American history. Uh, and uh, it is just something that few other cards in our hobby can surpass. And I am so, so pumped. So I, <laughs> it's one of those cards I found. It's interesting. It's interesting because now I can say this because I've had both a, a 52 Tops Mantle and a 15 Cracker Jack uh, Shoeless. Uh, the thing that I found out is with the Mantle, I never got like super giddy about it. Like, uh, like I do with the Shield Show Jackson. Like I just didn't. Um, and maybe it's because uh, it had some creases and an ink spot. I don't know. You know, maybe that's why why I wasn't as like super excited about it. But uh, Shield Show Jackson is something that like has like this whole mystique about it. That's on a different level um, when it comes to uh, baseball history. The Black Sox, the 1919 World Series scandal, the uh, you know, everything goes with it. The, uh, the Cracker Jack set itself, it just feels untouchable to people. Um, and, uh, you know, to have the Shoeless Joe Jackson, uh, it's a centerpiece. And the thing that I realized also is that poll that I did, by the way, of Mickey Mantle versus Shoeless Joe Jackson. Um, the thing that's interesting is... For the 33% that said Sheila's Joe Jackson, um, they were hardcore about that. Yeah, it is absolutely Sheila's Joe. Uh, that is, yeah, I mean, it's not even funny. So I feel like more seasoned collectors went for that one. And that makes all the sense in the world to me. Like, you can easily get a Mickey Mantle if, if you have the cash. That's really kind of all it takes. When it comes to a, a Joe Jackson from Cracker Jack, it takes patience, it takes the right deal, uh, it takes so many other things. Um, so, uh, plus, not to mention the fact, aside from the fact that it's like rare, but like uh, it's over 100 years old, you know, like that's a big deal too. Um, but anyway, so uh, I get the two cards, I'm like so super excited, like just over the moon, like oh man, you feel like you win the lottery, you know, when you get this kind of card, right? Never would have happened um, if I didn't sell everything else. And so, uh, and the others for the most part are obtainable, uh, again, if I wanted to, but uh, but this, this Shoeless Joe, there's something special about it. And, uh, and as kind of like an aside, the Ty Cobb is flipping amazing. <laughs> I have an altered version uh, nice colors. Um, the, the edges are nice, crisp. There's not really much, uh, uh, staining or anything like that. And, but the one that I got, just got in is an SGC 54. Uh, and, or like if it had a new label in SGC 4, but, uh, you know, it doesn't have the sharp corners. Um, it's got some staining from, from the, uh, from the Cracker Jack Caramel. Um, and, uh, and guess what though, for some reason, 
like I was prepared to keep that altered car forever and just love it to death. Uh, but I don't know why. I just, I love this one with the stains. I mean, the stains tell a story. And, uh, you know, granted, it's probably valued about twice as much, almost at least, as, uh, as the altered. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, you know, even I appeal to like just everything about it. I love it. So um, I've decided to sell the altered version instead and just keep the STC one for now anyways. Um, I might end up, you know, putting both for sale and seeing what sells first and then keeping the other one. But as it stands now, that altered one is for sale. Uh, and it is one card that uh, I just cannot stop looking at either. Like, I just love it so much. So um, I think the next buyer will enjoy it as well. But anyway, so all that to say, um, you know, so selling, you know, you try to track my uh, highs and lows here for you. The, the selling everything on a whim, the low, the, the seller's remorse a little bit, the extreme high of, of hunting things and getting them back and everything and, and looking day to day to see what else is out there. Um, I'm here to tell you guys like that feeling Trump's having. Now, with that said, here's the caveat. <laughs> I couldn't imagine myself uh, selling that, that Jackson. Um, somebody asked and offered uh, 15 grand for it uh, today. And I go, nah, I can't do it. <laughs> now, I think, that's, I think that's quite a bit off. Uh, but even if, it, even if I did get an offer that I thought was good, I don't think I could sell it just because uh, how iconic it is and how amazing of a card it is. Now, um, the question is, what do I do with this W514 Shields Joe Jackson? I, as I've said before, um, you know, this card, uh, I ended up buying it uh, on the 100th anniversary of the last game of the Black Sox 1919 World Series to the day. Like, I feel almost like I have like a personal connection with this card <laughs> at this point. And it's, uh, it's also an SGC 54, uh, or, yeah, that's right, it is. Uh, so it's really nice condition. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't think I really want to keep two Shoeless Joe Jacksons in my collection. Um, I think the Cracker Jacks can do it, and especially just for the price. I mean, look, guys, like, that's by far the most expensive card in my collection right now. And I don't see myself getting anything uh, closer to that uh, either. Um, like, this is still kind of wild also to think about uh, how big of a card it is. Um, but, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm probably going to sell the W514 Jackson. Um, but, uh, you know, I just don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't know yet. Like, everything's kind of up in the air. I think I, think I will, uh, just because I don't think it makes sense for me to kind of keep it just because of a sentimental reason of when I bought it. Maybe it's best to hang on to the memory. Uh, by itself, but I don't know. Anyways, uh, so yeah, I guess I'll go ahead and like wrap it up with that. Uh, that's kind of like my big news right now um, is the cards that I've gotten and cards that I've been coming. Uh, it's kind of funny how uh, things can flip, and and I completely forgot about this, guys. Like, I was interviewed on a podcast for somebody else like a few days before I sold out of everything. And I literally told these guys, like, uh, they're like, so what do you have? Like, are you going to keep it forever? What happens if you die? I was like, uh, down the road, you know, what, what's going to happen to the cards? And I said, look, guys, th there's no guarantee for any of these cards to stay here. Like, 
I might literally turn around and sell these like tomorrow. And that's almost literally what happened. And I didn't have any knowledge that I remember of, uh, of having any plans of doing this. But that's what, that's what makes this, uh, this hobby so fun for me. And so I know there's a lot of you guys out there that are like dyed in the wool collectors that you do not sell no matter what. But, uh, you know, man, I don't know. Consider it possibly. It's a, it's a blast. It really is fun. Uh, I've just enjoyed it tremendously. So, uh, you know, tomorrow, like I said, hopefully, knock on wood, these good ones in this uh, judge card. There's a couple of judge cards, actually. Um, that should be coming in tomorrow that I'm really excited about. Um, some are doubles, so I'll be, uh, I'll be dealing away a few of the others. Uh, but, you know, that's kind of the, uh, kind of the fun part, right, is the, uh, the anticipation, the hunt, the uh, inability to fall asleep quickly because you are uh, dreaming and fantasizing about getting the cards and displaying them, taking pictures and showing them off and everything. So that's, uh, that, that's what I love. I just enjoy this. I love this hobby so much. I mean, it's just a, it's a great, great hobby. Um, so anyways, like, and obviously this doesn't have, uh, I mean, look, I, I know I'm talking about some big cards here. This, uh, has nothing to do with how big these cards are. Like I've been there, uh, dreaming about cards that were $10 and $20. Uh, it, it really doesn't matter about the value. It's, it's about the level of excitement it generates in you. So, uh, yeah, um, guys, I, <laughs> I truly, truly hope during this time that, uh, you know, when you're like kind of shelled into your home and everything, that you're able to have a fun time looking for cards and dreaming about them. And more importantly, connecting with your family, though. That's obviously most important. Um, and, uh, you know, with your, your wife, your kids, I just, I, I truly hope that you all have a great time until this, uh, this uh, lockdown, so to speak, is, uh, is lifted. But, yeah, just, uh, you know, be, uh, enjoy the hobby. You know, just enjoy the hobby, guys. So... Uh, that does it for tonight. Um, thank you for listening as always. And uh, until then, this is Tanner from TanManBaseballFan.com signing off.